Hello, my name is Haley Dahl, and welcome to another episode of Green Exploration Rockford. Today I'll be speaking with Brad Holcomb, the stormwater manager for the city of Rockford. We will be discussing Rockford's environmental issues and how the city has been moving towards a more sustainable future while exploring how green infrastructure can offer viable solutions to Rockford's stormwater issues. Without further ado, Brad, feel free to introduce yourself. And the first thing I would like to know is what motivated you to get involved in environmental challenges in Rockford. Can you please give me some background on your involvement, interest, and motivation? Hey, well, I'm Brad Holcomb. I'm the stormwater manager with the city of Rockford. Um, I grew up on a farm just north of here, so I've always been familiar with the fair area, and I've always had an interest in environmental compliance, environmental protecting our environment and such. Uh, as far as with the rod, an opportunity opened up in Rockford, which actually was right up my field, what our area of study and everything was with um, the city. Uh, we, I do environmental compliance, uh, EPA permitting, uh, illegal dumping in the creeks and rivers and under the streets, anything like that. Uh, my team will address and work with people to try to eliminate pollution occurring, any drainage complaints that occur. Uh, we have projects in place for several projects for drainage issues or try to assist customers with drainage issues. That's the primary things we do. Alrighty, do you have any projects that you're currently working on? Right now we have a couple of drainage projects that we have going on. Uh, uh, the Alpine Dam Rehabilitation Project, which is, you know, Alpine Dam obviously holds back water during big storm events. We're automating the system where instead of going out during a lightning storm and opening the gates, we can just push the button from our office, make it a lot more safer for all of us. Plus we're uh, upgrading the dam itself to possibly hold back a little more water, just make it a little safer for the public for when we have those big storm events. We also have a couple of neighborhood drainage projects going on long-term, just big events. There's always drainage issues through these neighborhoods. We have projects going on in both a couple of neighborhoods where we're trying to uh, resolve that issue with different uh, drain series of detention basins and everything. Plus we have a lot of, a lot of small, small drainage projects going on as well. Yeah, yeah. I would like to know how you define environmental challenges in Rockford. What do you think are the parameters that Rockford is currently working with? Oh, well, I, guess, I mean, from my perspective, our primary challenges are air and water pollution, I, I yeah. would say. But you can also get into energy efficiency as well, challenges mm -hmm. with energy efficiency. Uh, you know, there's, you know, we use so much energy on different things these days. It's nice, it's nice if we could have more options out there to save energy as well. Do you by any chance, I know this isn't entirely related to stormwater, but do you know where Rockford predominantly gets their energy from? Uh, well, ComEd is our supplier for primarily ComEd. Nuclear, fiber nuclear plant, ComEd is our supplier for, for, for uh, electricity. Okay. okay. So then based on your knowledge and engagement, what, well, you kind of already touched on this, but what work is being done to address these issues in Rockford? Well, what have they been doing well? I and mentioned the neighborhood projects we have for drainage issues. We also have a big buyout project for an area 
not far from City Hall, where we had a huge flooding, back-to-back-to-back flooding in subsequent years. Where mm-hmm. we're doing, we, we bought out over 100 properties. We're presently open green space. Uh, we're looking to buy more properties in that area uh, for additional green space. So we're hoping to have a long-term goal to help alleviate flooding in that area. You know, it'll, it'll always be open space, but we're trying to make it a community draw as well. Mm-hmm. So with this green space, is that with the interest of implementing green infrastructure in Rockford? That would be part of it. Part of our codes is, you know, we, you know, when 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 the projects get developed and they have to, when they're take away green space, open space, pervious surfaces, there's a requirement they have to add green space or pervious surfaces for water to still to flow into. So in a lot mm-hmm. of cases, if we don't have room, we'll ask for the consider a green infrastructure, whether it's a rain garden, rain barrels, uh, permeable pavers, uh, bioswales, anything of that nature to help, just something to help info, get infiltration with the water. Are those new requirements or is this something that has kind of always been? Our requirements last, I don't know, five or six years, they've been in our codes. The, the, the concept has been around for years. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, everybody likes to do the status quo. And these, this is a relatively new thing. And a lot of times it can be labor intensive and a little more costly to install. So which loses a lot of people sometimes because of that. Yeah, because I know in the Northern Illinois and I honestly throughout pretty much most places that have urban environments, that like, urban sprawl and those non-permeable surfaces are quite problematic because it doesn't allow that natural regeneration I'm just kind of curious if you have any thoughts in regards to that and how Rockford has been dealing with it. Well, I mean, and that's a lot with our codes now. I mean, obviously, at one time, this was all prairie grasses, forest, whatever you want to call it. You mm-hmm. know, and now you look at it, it's all that, instead of water infiltrating into the ground, now we have all that surface runoff, roofs, parking yeah. lots, roads, which, of course, increases the flooding. That's a big genesis with our flooding around here. It's mm-hmm. from runoff. And, and you get into the... 80s, mid, early 80s, before that, you know, controlling runoff wasn't really a thought process. You know, that's mm-hmm. just been in the forefront for the past, say, 30 or so years, where you're looking at retention for projects or, you know, green infrastructure. It's been retention for the longest time where you have to detain the water before it leaves the ground. It can't be, can't leave faster than it did before pre-development, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the past, you know, 30 plus years, detention has been more of a predominant yeah. thing versus what it was before. But yeah, that was a huge issue. And that's a lot of our neighborhoods that are experienced to flooding these days is because of, it just was, that wasn't taken into consideration. It was just built, built, built. Mm-hmm. And with that runoff, once it gets out of the community, does that just get diverted to, I'm assuming maybe like the Mississippi River Ultimately. eventually? Okay. We, have the, we have the Rock River that flows through Rockford. Um, yeah. So all the tributaries and creeks we have ultimately drain to the Rock River, which of course drains to the Mississippi River, which mm-hmm. of course drains to the Gulf of Mexico. And you've probably heard of the hypoxia down in the Gulf of Mexico. And that's from all, not only urban runoff, but farmland runoff and everything that has occurred not only in the Midwest, but everything going into the Mississippi River right now ends up in the Gulf of Mexico. Where we cannot drink it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then I know also with green infrastructure besides the water regeneration benefits that also helps with urban heat island? It helps with what, I'm sorry? Urban heat island issues? Oh, yes, definitely, yes. Yes, I mean, obviously, when you don't have that all that pavement that increases, and it's not as nearly as 
bad here as you say down see down in uh, like Arizona with the early yeah. it's how hot it, with the temperatures there but you still def definitely see an interest with the pavement and that pavement heats up and it, it is pretty warm. Since we're on the topic of green infrastructure specifically in regards to this what infrastructure improvements have you seen, been a part of, or would like to suggest that has provided or could provide solutions to Rockford's water challenges? Uh, well, you know, we, we've only, most, most of our green infrastructure has been small scale stuff. Mm -hmm. you, know, um, you know, our road projects, we still have to make sure that, you know, because we have a, like a couple alleys here and there that are permeable pavement to allow water. Mm -hmm. uh, but but that's small. So we also have to make sure that traffic can get through the road isn't going to get damaged quickly with these. You know, we have heavy traffic in a lot of these roads that might damage the pavement, depending on if people want permeable type materials and depending on what it is. Same with uh, uh, like the bricks and everything, permeable pavers types with bricks and stuff. It depends on as far as traffic goes, you know, that uh, can damage pretty quickly. And also we have to think about uh, snowplow damage. You know, the yeah. blade going on the road. They can get damp. They can either damage the blade or damage the surface because of snow plows. You can put these rubber pieces on them, but they only last for so long. Yeah. And there's also the increased maintenance with it too, unfortunately, because you got pore spaces that stuff can get in there. Unfortunately, you have to periodically clean those out too. If you don't have the right equipment to do that, that makes it hard. But we do have small scale projects. I mentioned that you know on small projects they don't have room for detention. We'll ask them to put in a bioswale or a rain guard or something of that nature to catch some of that runoff and all things like that. That occur. Uh, there's at least one area I can think of that has a rain roof. Uh, there's also a green roof, or actually a couple places that have green roofs in the area that, of course, helps with runoff as well. Are you familiar with the Keith Creek Greenways project that they're currently planning uh, for? We're involved with it, yes. Keith so, Creek, um, we're get all the buyouts and everything, is, we're, we're, and we're trying to get more buyouts actually. We bought out along Keith Creek where the flooding occurred, 115 plus properties so far. Mm -hmm. And that was partnered with, was it Zion Development? Was that? Yeah. yeah Zion's actually doing a study right now on the watershed. Oh, okay. Tell me about the Keith Creek project. What do they got currently going on? What do well, they got planned for? Right now we have uh, a watershed study going on. You know, this will mm -hmm. be. Oh, yeah. Is it 18 months? Yeah. Correct? Yeah. So that'll be, they just started this year. So it's going to take a year and a half or so to get it done. We also have an anticipation at some point, like I said, we're looking to buy, we are actually in the act process of actually trying to acquire more properties okay thinking long term that eventually for projects that whatever we end up doing there we're going to need more properties so okay we are, we are actually actively we're seeking grant funding we're actually i'm, I'm open if you're showing whether we've been approved and we have other projects possibly down the road we also are presently have a contracted contracted with a local engineering firm they're doing a hydraulic analysis okay in that area as well just so when when the study gets ready is done and we have projects in mind we're ready to go so when we can apply when we apply for additional funding we're project ready so with this greenway is there any type of visions going on do people want a bike path are you gonna implement more like nothing substantial permanent but i mean i think we're looking for a uh, community draw where it could be a, a park bike path mm -hmm. you know right now keith creek in the area we're talking about is uh basically it's a rock wall channel yeah, I've, I've seen it. <laughs> so, I mean, the thought process is we want to meander, we want to make it more natural looking, make it a community draw, you know, which it, it would include bike paths, park areas, already a park there, but more areas for park, more for community to be, be able to enjoy it. 
Is there any flood mitigation interest along that would with be the project? Clear, it would be flood mitigation. I mean, a lot of part of that, that's our primary goal is to reduce flooding in the floodplain footprint in the area. That would be a, that would have to be a big part of our interest in doing something and there's reducing the floodprint. All righty. And then since we're on the topic of flooding, I'm assuming you're familiar that Ward 7 is a national flood zone. Which ward? I'm sorry. Ward 7, seven being like Auburn Street. All right. Like Beverly Hills neighborhood. Beverly Hills neighborhood. Okay. Yep. That was actually just ran into the floodplain in the 2016 map update, unfortunately for them. But yes, that is, they were added to the 100 year floodplain. So is there any dialogue in regards to that issue at all? We've had discussions about options we could do up there because obviously it's up there, it's a lower income where flood insurance isn't cheap. And if you have yeah. a federally insured mortgage, you have to have flood insurance. It's a requirement, mm-hmm. FEMA, FEMA insured for area. So we have looked at options, but you know, unfortunately right now the funding isn't there. We, we would have to look at, you know, where could we get the funding? Obviously we'd have to have something. We haven't done a study in that area particularly yet. Uh, and what the options would be, we'd have to look at more closely. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, we don't have anything imminent planned for up there. Okay. Is there any other national flood zones? Well, I know there's some along the Keith Creek. I was Keith actually Creek, looking at all those along Keith Creek, maps. Get all the miles is yeah. uh, floodplain. Um, anything also, besides that? Those are the primary areas. Those, so, I mean, also along a lot of the creeks and throughout the city, we have. Uh, floodplains, of course. Uh, the primary big areas would be the Keith Creek and up in the Beverly Beverly Park okay. area. We are trying to, uh, we are in the process of enrolling into the FEMA's Community Rating System Program. Okay. Which basically, that's a program where, depending on what level we qualify at, the residents can get reduced flood insurance rates. So mm-hmm. we're in the process of getting that certification, that enrollment, um, or at least we can get reduced insurance rates for our residents. Yeah, that would be very helpful. Because I feel like, you know, with a lot of these stormwater environmental issues, you definitely have to take into account that social aspect of it. Got to make it practical and feasible and conducive to the residents that currently live in the area. And, you know, it's, it's necessary that we have these requirements, it's, you know, for the flooding, you know, because if you're going to choose to live in the area, you, gotta have, you need to have influence. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it, it's expensive. We get it. Um, unfortunately with a lot of whether it's environmentally friendly projects or energy efficient projects they're costly you know it it makes it hard not only for low income but for everybody it's hard when you want you want to do the right thing in a lot of cases but it's costs a lot too to do the right thing yeah unfortunately there's not a whole lot of people trying to spend millions of dollars altruistically (laughs) no unfortunately not for flooding but needs needs to be done so Mm -hmm. The challenge is trying to find it in an economically and socially viable way. And we and, and it, it's also in our codes because when somebody wants to develop in a floodplain or upgrade, it's you know we have requirements they have to follow too to make sure that their new development does not have flood damage should it happen. Mm-hmm. So we have they have to follow our our code requirements to, to floodproof their properties. So I remember when I was talking to the RPC which actually I'm going to be attending the, I don't know if you saw, but on Saturday, there's going to be a little Keith Creek cleanup oh, type yeah. event. We're doing one same day for along Rock River. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm going to attend the Keith Creek one. So I'm looking forward to that. Like I said, we're doing the same thing. It's all in conjunction. There's a Keith Creek one. There's one over, uh, well, it's one I'm talking about, but Rock River. They're kind of doing it in conjunction, but separately. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good thing. We try to do something at least once a year. No, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I like to get out and actually, you know, hands-on doing stuff to help out. That being said, back to RPC, because I was speaking to Shelby Best. Mm -hmm while ago and she said that she had an interest of maybe creating a green infrastructure plan for the city so that it's more of like a standard more so than like a project by project consideration right. has there a been any dialogue about that and b what are your thoughts of how well, that could play out it, it would be a good idea i thought they had received actually a grant to do a plan, a green infrastructure. I'm not sure if they have done it yet. I'll have to, I'll have to check, but I thought they did have something they were at least in the process of developing. To go back to your question, yes, I think it would be a good thing if we could have some sort of plan in place and, you know, get, try to get the funding to implement it. Yeah, yeah. So that it's like more, use more widespread throughout the community. Right. The and, entire region, not just Rockford, the region. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like Rockford is... Definitely the place set an example, though, being like the bigger city in the area. I know it's not Chicago, but it's like a mini Chicago. <laughs> Anyways, is there anything you want to add in regards to any of that? I don't think so, no. Alrighty. So that being said, what are your thoughts on Rockford taking action towards implementing solutions to these water challenges or any other environmental challenges that come to mind. And then more specifically in BIPOC, BIPOC being Black, Indigenous, people of color, neighborhoods compared to other neighborhoods, has the implementation been inclusive? Yeah, I don't know that. I mean, we try to hit all branches of the city with our, I mean, it'd be great to do it every, all across the city. I realize, realize the big challenges with a lot of these neighborhoods is, you know, the income disparity. You know, as I mentioned before, you know, when you want to do an electric vehicle, you know, those aren't cheap. You know, where yeah. you know, in one part of one of more wealthy neighborhood, they can afford these vehicles, where other neighborhoods they can't necessarily, which of course makes a bigger disparity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with our buyout programs and stuff, it doesn't matter where it is or who it is. It's you know, that's those all anybody can qualify for those. Primarily, if you're in a floodplain, you can qualify for it mm -hmm. with our buyouts, and we don't look at any other way about it that's what that's the way it should be for everything um unfortunately again with the cost of a lot of these things it makes it hard for a lot of people yeah yeah i was actually just talking to janessa wilkins a couple of days ago and she was telling because she's you know alderman for world ward seven and she was telling me about how the city is focusing a lot more on like the downtown right now to attract tourists and stuff and bring in more revenue so that they can start branching out to take care of the other neighborhoods yeah there is a lot going on downtown i mean we have yeah. a new indoor sports complex we just built a big hotel and conference center downtown so there is a lot going on there's been a lot of this investment in downtown what do you feel like is the best way to approach dispersing infrastructure improvements across the city how do you feel is the best way to approach that? I don't know that I have an answer to that question. Um, you know, you know, with our 
are budgeting and everything. Every all the aldermen have their own ward plans or mm -hmm. funding they receive for their wards. I mean, it's not a lot. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's not again whether it's environmental friendly, green infrastructure, just fixing a road. It's not cheap. Yeah, uh, and yeah. the money only goes so far. We have to, and we have to. You know, we have different uh, programs and processes to determine what roads need to be fixed first, and what's which most need the most care, and you know, we have to prioritize and figure out what's best, not only for our state funding and funds we get for, but for the wards too. They need to find what's prioritized, what they need to do, unfortunately, you can't. And a lot of times people want good roads. They don't really care about if the park's nice. They want to yeah. have a nice surface. And I don't blame them for that. It's, that's important. So that's all, you know, but the money only goes so far. So unless we can find grant sources, we'll do a lot of these types of things. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're limited what we can do. Yeah, I feel like public outreach is really the key to all this, though. Really listening and trying to hear what the communities really need. Yeah, yeah like these, like I said, the watershed studies we're doing, I mean, a big part of those are public outreach. You know, what's okay. public and what they have to say. That's part of the process with these watershed studies, just get the public involved with what they want, what they would like to see happening in these areas. On a more regular basis, does the water side of, um, I guess that would be Rockford Water Reclamation District, correct? Is that? And you can't, the sanitary district, yes. Okay, yeah. Do they do public outreach periodically to see how I, people are doing? I don't know. I mean, that's a separate agency, so I don't know how much oh, okay. um, they do. Yeah. But uh, I, I know they do. I know they're having, they have a watershed group, though. For some mm -hmm. of the experiments they have for water to improve the water quality in their in the Rock River watershed, actually, um, so they have their own water group. But I, but I know I think they do some public outreach at least. So what about with your side and the stormwater side? How regular is the public outreach for you guys? Uh, well, a lot of you know, you know, we have website. You know, we have brochures for the public. We will participate in neighborhood uh, meetings if asked. Um, Okay. We have uh, next week we have the National Night Out event where we're, we're going to be a part of that. Uh, so I mean we try to be a part of the public as much as possible. And obviously any complaints we get from the public regarding drainage issue or something else, we generally will go out and meet with them on the site to get an understanding of what their concern is. And okay. At least if we can't do anything to help them, maybe we'll give them some ideas of what they can do. Yeah. Yeah. No. I I really believe that really getting out there feet on the ground in the community, speaking with people. Well, it definitely helps people. I mean, just people yeah. understanding what's available to them too. Exactly. I feel like people are more responsive because, you know, with stuff online and brochures, it's kind of hit or miss whether or not it's actually reaching people. But if you are actually physically reaching people, then it's like, you know, it definitely helps. it's a lot more effective. <laughs> so, so yeah. Is there anything more you would like to tell me about your work in Rockford as it relates to infrastructure solutions? No, not offhand. I can't think of anything else for you. Alrighty. Well, I don't really have any more questions at this point, so I guess this could be a good place to wrap up, but it thank you so good. much, Brad. It is no problems. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and knowledge on this topic because I really, really appreciate it. And I you learned are a welcome lot. Any, anytime. Thank you. Really, really just 
I feel like these discussions are really important to raise awareness as to what's happening. And actually, pause. I do have a quick question. So how would you say that stormwater and all the stuff that correlates with that, how does that play into climate change? Well, a lot of our increase in flooding you know, obviously more flooding, it seems like we've had more flooding recently in the recent years, mm-hmm. had more intense storms. That's all part of climate change. You know, that's yeah. the result of it. I mean, that's, we've had more intense storms over the year. Now, last couple of years, it's been pretty dry, actually. But mm-hmm. first, for the most part, we get these storms, they, they seem to be more intense. And, and rainfall factors have changed over the years from what they were 30 years ago, to, which is part of how we do our designs for basins and stuff. We, you know, we call the rainfall factors and stuff. Yeah. That's changed over the year. And that's a result of climate change and things like mm-hmm. that. So it does have an effect with stormwater intensity of floods in the area and things like that. So you've noticed a change in uh, stormwater patterns since the climate change issue has progressed. You know, you know, like I said, you know, you know, our, our the last big storm, really, really big storm we had was probably 2018. Uh, it's been mm-hmm. kind of dry since then, but yes, you can definitely see that's more severity in the storms when we get them. Um, yeah. prior, prior to that, uh, you know, we had four or five straight years of really above average rainfall. Mm-hmm. It, it was out of the ordinary, but you know, we have to deal with it the best we can. Yeah, yeah. All righty. Anything else you want to add in regards to Rockford and climate change and stormwater? Oh, no, that's it. Again, thank you so much for everything. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to speak to me and, you know, have this discussion. You are very welcome, Haley. I think now would be a good time to wrap up this episode. I would love to thank Brad Holcomb for sharing his valuable insight during this discussion. I would also like to thank anyone listening in on this podcast, as I always appreciate your support of Green Exploration Rockford. I would just like to remind you to take whatever you learn from this series and consider how you, as an individual, can be a contributor to a sustainable future in your day-to-day life. And don't forget to not only show Mother Earth some love, but your fellow humans as well, each and every one of them, because all humans deserve to live in a quality environment. My name is Haley Dahl, and I am signing off. Stay green and stay exploring, Rockford.